seen someone and you think, man, I've seen him before. They just look so familiar. Or you're looking at someone and I know that face. That's oh so-and-so. And it's just on the tip of your tongue. Who is that? So, so I want to play a little game called Who Is That? I'm going to show you a picture and you tell me who it is. Okay, first one. Yeah, Albert Einstein or a guy with a really bad hair day. Um, who is he? He's a genius. He's a physicist and in 1921 won the Nobel Prize in physics. Next one. Martin Luther King, Baptist minister, civil rights leader, won the Nobel Prize in 1964. Next one. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Catholic nun. She served some of the poorest outcasts of society and received the 1997 Nobel Peace Prize. Next one. Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, okay. Actor, director, at one point was a mayor. No Nobel Prizes, though. Four Academy Awards instead. And then who's this? Rob. No Academy Awards, no Nobel Prizes, but he's ours and we'll take him. We could put a number of pictures up there, but the big question today is, who's this? Well, that's a, somebody's, some picture, some, somebody playing the part of Jesus, okay? And we're in this series, Jesus for President, and whenever anyone runs for president, you might notice that the press and the opponent especially will dig into their past, look into their character and their family and their personal lives and their finances. They're going to find out all they can about this guy or, or this lady. And if we are going to make Jesus the president of our lives, we need to ask, who is he? In fact, Jesus even asked the question, who do people say that I am? And we're in chapter 25 of the story. For those of you who are new, the story is a condensed Bible to give us a flow of the Bible, of the story of the Bible from beginning to end. We have some over there if you'd like to pick one up on your way out. And we only have six chapters to go, so we're getting to the climax and the conclusion of the story. And one of the things that stands out about this chapter is how many questions are asked, especially about Jesus. And Jesus begins the chapter by asking, who do people say that I am? And all through this chapter, that's one theme I keep seeing over and over. Like on page 356, have the authorities concluded that he is the Messiah? When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Page 357, will he kill himself, was one question. Page 358, are you greater than our father Abraham? Who do you think you are? Page 364, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? I got a hum up here, buzzing, anyway. Uh, Tons of answers and speculations have come forth about who Jesus is. Uh, There's one book called A Myth of Innocence, Mark and Christian Origins, cast Jesus as a Hellenistic sage. Another book entitled Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time sees Jesus as a shaman-like charismatic. There's a book called Jesus the Magician, sees him as a magician. In a revolutionary biography, Jesus is seen as a peasant Jewish cynic. So there's a myriad of theories about who this guy is, a political revolutionary, a Pharisee, an anti-Pharisee, an eschatological prophet. Uh, One called him a hippie in a world of Augustan yuppies. Another called him the hallucinogenic leader of a sacred mushroom cult. By the way, this is serious scholarship, believe it or not. And my favorite is in the book, Jesus and the Riddle of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Jesus is the wicked priest of Qumran who eloped with Mary Magdalene and who survived crucifixion by drinking snake poison. There's just a fascination with this man More books have been written about him than any other person in history. In fact, one estimate I remember a while back was that four books per day were being written about Jesus. Mark 8, 27, page 353. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, 
And on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. So there was a lot of speculation and different thoughts back then, just as there is today. Some thought he was John. Of course, he was baptized by John, and there was some association there. Others thought he was Elijah. In fact, if you were to go to a Jewish Passover meal, you might find an empty chair. And that empty chair was for the Messiah yet to come, or the Messiah that many thought would be coming. And many thought it would be the second coming of Elijah. See, for some Jews, Elijah represented the type of Messiah they never got. And you might ask, well, what's so great about Elijah? Well, first of all, he solved problems. He provided a widow with an endless supply of oil and flour. When the widow's son died, Elijah raised him up. And that's the kind of Jesus a lot of people want. He solves problems and takes care of us. And nobody messed with Elijah. He had a terminator aspect to him. Uh, He took on a thousand false prophets. He blasted the king for seizing a commoner's vineyard. When soldiers came to arrest him, fire dropped down from heaven to incinerate them. I mean, mean, this is the Chuck Norris Jesus, you know. No, I mean the real Chuck Norris. I mean the actor. Our Chuck Norris is real. Anyway, don't mess with him. Number three, Elijah gave absolute proof. On Mount Carmel... There was no doubt God was God and in control. Lightning coming down out of heaven to burn up the sacrifice. Absolute proof. And number four, Elijah did not die. He was swooped up into heaven. So Elijah represents what a lot of people want in Jesus. He's someone to solve my problems, someone to protect me, someone to give me absolute proof and to offer an escape route. But if you remember when we read the story of Elijah a few weeks ago, Elijah's ministry really wasn't very successful. Even the great scene on Mount Carmel barely made a dent in the nation's faith. So Jesus is not Elijah. He's not John. He's not one of the prophets. Again, a lot of speculation. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And that is the question for all of us. And I would contend that your view of Jesus is the most significant aspect of defining who you are. And that determines what you believe about life and about the world, about death, about everything, about priorities and values, what you believe about this guy. Magazine covers this time of year will feature Jesus, showing that people are still talking about this guy. Movies come out like Son of God. In fact, I'm going to have us watch a trailer from that movie, Son of God, that just came out a few weeks ago. And I want you to notice the issue again is, who is he? You need help. Nothing to help with. What are you doing? Going fishing. I'm telling you, there's no fish out there. How did this happen? Come with me. What are we going to do? Change the world. Our sins are forgiven, my son. I thought only God could do that. Which is easier, to say his sins are forgiven, or say he get up and walk. I've had reports of a young prophet of Nazareth. It's rumored he works miracles. They all do. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pray to him, and he will listen. Five thousand came to see him. 
5,000. Your hunger for righteousness will be filled through me. Who knows what Pilate will do if the crowds run out of control? That man, Judas, he wants to help us. I will crush any rebellion. Save us from the Romans, Lord! There is something unusual about him. We must arrest this false prophet. But what if he is who they say he is? Will somebody tell me? Peter, come. Answer if you can. One of you here will betray me to my enemies. I want someone to tell me what is the soul of a man. Jesus of Nazareth, you are charged with blasphemy. He has employed demons to heal. He threatened to destroy the temple. Tell us, are you the son of God? I am. Are you the son of God all through the gospels? That is the question. And your view of Jesus will impact your life. Now for some, Jesus is this. There's the next picture. Okay? Jesus with children. Sometimes you see Jesus with a lamb. I call this the cuddly Jesus. He loves children. He's kind and gentle and won't hurt a flea. For others, this is Jesus. Well, yeah, I love that one. Call that the homeboy Jesus. Okay? He's cool and hip. This is the with it. The with it guy. And he's relevant and everything, and then we also have this one, and there's lots of different pictures. There's Jesus with a, whole, with a halo, the holy Jesus, uh, the more stoic Jesus, and this is the Jesus you'll find in stained glass windows, a little bit more distant and, and detached, and of course, there's all kinds of pictures, and what's interesting about these pictures, they're all American, which we know he wasn't. Pinning this guy down is not easy. People were amazed at him. The disciples were surprised at him. He was not predictable. He urged obedience to the law and yet had a reputation as a lawbreaker. He could be stabbed by sympathy for a stranger and yet turn on his best friend and call him the devil. He had uncompromising views on rich men and loose women and yet both were strangely attached, uh, attracted to him, enjoyed his company. One day miracles flowed out of him. The next day his power was blocked by people's lack of faith. One day he talked in detail about the second coming. On another, he said, I don't know the day or the hour. He fled from arrest at one point and then marched toward it at another. He spoke about peacemaking and then told his disciples to procure swords. When he did miracles, he told people, don't tell anyone. He told us to hate our families. Two words we could never think of in applying to Jesus. That would be boring and predictable. If Jesus had not lived, there's no one who could have invented him. And I wonder, how would have he scored on a personality profile test? Would he be normal? And was Jesus smart? What was his IQ? Just lots of questions about who this guy is. Someone once counted all the names for Jesus in the Bible and came up with 256. Maybe it's because no one, no one word or name can describe him, adequately describe him. He was infinitely beyond all that any one name could express. John 7, page 356, says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. 
Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little egotistical. Maybe a lot egotistical, you know. Whoever believes in me. On hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus, and nothing has changed. Some say he was a prophet, some say he was a messiah, some say he was a sage, some say he was a revolutionary, some say he was a vegetarian, believe it or not. Some say he was a feminist, and people are divided over him. John 7, 12 then says, among the crowds there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. So Jesus creates quite a stir, and he still does. He's still controversial. So I'm going to give you four options of who Jesus was. When we boil down the options, these seem to be... Uh, these are pretty much it. First of all, he was a decent fellow, a good man, a a great neighbor next door. He was the kind of person you'd like to hang out with. Some will say, you know, I don't believe he was divine or God, but he was a good teacher, a good person, and he was moral. And indeed, many of our morals and values today come from Jesus' teachings. Good Samaritan, love your neighbor, golden rule, do not judge. He came to heal the sick and feed the poor. This is the kind of Jesus a lot of people have in mind when they think of him. Soft and kind and gracious and large crowds followed him because he was good. He was a decent fellow. Now, this is the picture I grew up with, and many of you probably remember this one. This is the Jesus the Norwegian uh, picture. Long flowing hair, blue eyes, perfect beard, and handsome. And when I was a kid, this was Jesus. He was my friend. He usually wore a white robe with a blue sash, and sometimes he would hold a lamb in his arms uh, like the cuddly Jesus. He also told me how to live. Jesus told me to be nice to mommy and daddy and obey my teachers and don't cuss and don't chew and go with girls that do. Don't do that. And, and, then, and, then, for some, and then they told me for some reason people killed him. And in my childlike mind, I just didn't connect. I mean, who would kill a nice man? Who would kill Jesus? I mean, that's like crucifying Mother Teresa or Captain Kangaroo. Are you kidding? So apparently, not everyone thought he was a decent fellow. In fact, one of the criticisms of Jesus was he was a glutton and a drunkard. He's a bum. He hangs around the wrong people. He was destructive. He was inappropriate with women. He wasn't religious enough. Rome thought he was a traitor, and the Jews thought he was a heretic. Athletes can come up with some rather creative portrayals of this guy. A former lineman for the Miami Dolphins wrote a book, and he said, I guarantee you Christ would be the toughest guy who ever played this game. If he were alive today, I would picture a 6-foot, 6-inch, 260-pound defensive tackle who would always make the big plays and would be hard to keep out of the backfield. The tough guy, Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus in a Bears uniform? Now, they need a guy like this, to be honest, but I don't think he'd be in a Bears uniform. I think he would choose a winner. But anyway... A former New York Yankees wrote, if Jesus were sliding into second base, he would knock the second baseman into left field to break up the double play. Christ might not throw a spitball, but he would play hard within the rules. Not exactly Mother Teresa. Jesus called people names. He was highly critical. Nice fellow. That just doesn't quite fit. Here's another possibility. A demented fool. A lunatic. You say, well, how can you say that? Well, he told people he was God. He said, I am the light. I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the bread of life. What do we usually do with people who claim to be God? Lock them up. Yeah. So one of the reactions to Jesus was that he was crazy. 
John 8, 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? In other words, you're nuts. And then in verse 51, very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death, Jesus says. You know, they think you're crazy already, and then you say, you're never going to see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, and yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? He's a lunatic. He made outlandish, crazy claims, and the things he said were not true. He is a demented fool. And those who follow him are demented as well. That's us. This guy is dangerous. He's crazy. He had a narcissistic personality. He said, follow me, surrender everything for me because I am God. That guy should be locked up. Now, most people today would not say Jesus was a demented fool, but logically he is, if he's not who he says he was. Another possibility, a deceptive fraud, liar, con man. If Jesus knew he wasn't God but claimed to be God, he's a deceiver. And maybe this is what was going on. It's all a big scam. Jesus was selling himself to gain power or, or make money or be popular. Uh, this kind of guy is not a decent fella. Let's just say that. He might be a demented fool, and if he's not a demented fool, then at the very least, he is a deceptive fraud. Really, are there any other options? John 8, 54, page 358, Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Jesus admits that if he is not, does not know God like he's claiming, and if God is not his father and God is not glorifying him, he's a liar. He just admits, I'm a deceptive fraud. How come Jesus has a swear word? Ever thought about that? No one ever stubs their toe and says, oh, Abraham Lincoln, or oh, George Washington. No, no they say, oh, you know, Jesus Christ. Why? Why is his name a swear word, not any other? Well, even in swearing, people are saying, there's something unique about this guy. We don't use any other name in vain except God, whom Jesus claims to be. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they told him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Exodus 3, if you've read the story, you know that Moses is before the burning bush. God calls Moses to go back to Egypt. We read this several months ago, and Moses says, when I go back and tell them God has sent me, what name shall I use? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. Every little Jewish boy and little Jewish girl knew the story and knew that God's name was I am. So Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am, I am the God who is, I am the God of Moses. And what's their response? At this, they picked up stones to stone him. This guy's got to die. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Their response is absolutely appropriate. It makes all the sense of the world. If Jesus is not God, he needs to die. You just don't make claims like that. And it drives me crazy when people say Jesus was this nice religious leader, nice moral teacher. That is not an option. Great moral teachers don't claim to be God. They don't lie and they don't deceive. Great moral teachers aren't crazy. So who is he? Is he a nice fella? Absolutely not. You see, the most common view of Jesus by those who are outside of him would say, oh, he was a nice fella, he was a good guy, a good teacher and all that. And yet that is the one he cannot logically be. He's either a demented fool or a deceptive fraud. 
Don't tell me he's a good guy. He cannot be that. There's one other option, of course. He is who he says he is, a divine friend. He is God. He's the savior of the world. He's risen. He's the president of the universe. And he wants to be the president of your life. If he is God, then he was not just a decent fellow or just a moral teacher. And he wasn't crazy and he wasn't lying. Now, I'm getting this from C.S. Lewis who said there's just three possible options about Jesus. Either liar, lunatic, or Lord. And the first option, a decent fellow, I threw in there, really isn't an option at all. And those who think that Jesus was a nice religious leader do not take seriously everything Jesus claimed. They're blown smoke. Because he was God. He said things like Mark 8, 34, page 353. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Forever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Who asks people to give their whole life to them? Only God or a narcissist. And they wanted him dead because they didn't believe he was God. John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? You see how crazy this stuff is? A good man does not claim to be the resurrection and life and able to keep you from dying. Now, when I was in my 20s, I had to confront this question. I was raised in a Christian home, but I still had to come to this on my own. Is Jesus really who he said he was? Is this Christianity stuff true? It was the defining time of my life. And I went through a personal, professional, theological crisis. Do I really believe this stuff? Do I really believe Jesus is who he says he is? And when I became convinced of that, I realized I cannot help but to live for him. I remember talking to an agnostic about 10 years later, and he got it. And he said, if what you're telling me is true, you have to give everything to him. And he said, I will have to give everything a yes. And he did. If Jesus claims to be God and it's true and he asks us to follow him, we must give our whole lives to him, everything. Who would have thought that 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years later after Jesus, businesses like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A would have Jesus as their CEO? And who would have thought 2,000 years ago later that a whole civilization, Western culture, would be built on the foundation of Jesus. The roots of science go back to Jesus. Before him, science was impossible. You know where the first hospitals come from? Come from Jesus and his influence. Basil uh, was one of the early followers of Jesus, and he started a place for lepers called a hospice or hospital. And many times when Christians built a church, in fact, I think it was written in one of the uh, conferences they had, one of the creeds, when you build a church, you also build a hospital. You know, all this compassion and medicine and caring for sick, it goes back to Jesus. Education, 99% of educational institutions in America were started in the name of Jesus, including Harvard and Yale. What would this world be like if Jesus had never been born? He uplifted women 1,900 years before women were allowed to vote, made them leaders. He battled racism 1,900 years before the civil rights movement, lifting up all people. Art, literature, music have all been impacted by this man. Without Jesus, there's no Bach. And there's no Beethoven, no Gaither Trio, you know. If there's no Jesus, you would not care about orphans. If there's no Jesus, you would not be going to Guatemala. You would not be nearly as compassionate as you are. Will Durant was one of the most respected and 
respected and honored historians and philosophers. And when he was asked what he felt was the apex or the high point of history, it was his answer. He said, the high point of history were the three years that Jesus of Nazareth walked the earth. Folks, he's not just a nice fella. Logan's a nice fella. But if Logan tells me to take up my cross and follow him, I laugh. That's ridiculous, okay? But if God does it, and it sounds like a tough road, and at times it is to take up our cross, it's an uphill climb, but if he is who he says he is, I have no choice. He is God. Who do you want for president? You want a liar? You want a lunatic? We've had him. You want a nice guy? We've had them too. Most presidents, probably a combination of all three. But I vote for Jesus. Will you please stand as we continue worshiping this morning?